Welcome to Cybersecurity On Call, where we discuss the trends, get perspectives, and find tips for cybersecurity professionals. I'm your host, TJ Layer from Cloudera. On call today will be Peter Tran, the General Manager and Senior Director for RSA's Worldwide Advanced Cyber Defense Practice. But first, let's look at what's happening in the world of cybersecurity. The world has become application-driven as we have adopted cloud, big data, social, and mobile technologies. This shift has significantly transformed our lives as everything continues to become digital. From dating, to banking, to warfare, to even citizenships. You heard me right. Since 2015, Estonia has been handing out e-residencies for anyone that wants to become a citizen of their nation. By moving all of their government services to the digital era, citizens can now do all of their voting, banking, taxation, and more, all online. They even receive a smart card which allows them to sign sensitive documentations digitally. While Estonia is a shining example of the bleeding edge, there are always risks associated with living on the edge. As more and more enterprises and nations become digital, the cybersecurity industry has continued to change. These digital changes have been driven by the modern computing platform that analysts commonly refer to as the third platform. Our guest, Peter Tran, has seen firsthand how the third platform has changed the cybersecurity industry. He believes that while the third platform has caused massive disruption, the emerging fourth platform will entirely transform the cybersecurity industry. Peter is an advanced cyber defense technology security operations practitioner and an executive leader with over 18 years of demonstrated field experience. He is focused on developing, implementing, and growing cutting-edge cybersecurity solutions and practices to address new innovations, applications, and applied information security defense methods. He has appeared as a cybersecurity subject matter expert on countless networks, including NBC, CBS, Fox News, Bloomberg, and many, many more. He has joined us today to discuss how the fourth platform will transform cybersecurity. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, TJ. All right, let's jump right into it. As everything continues to become hyper-connected, can you just you know, uh, paint a picture for our viewers of what this uh, fourth platform will do for them? Whoa, TJ, you never uh, cease to amaze me. Just put me on the spot right then and there, huh? That's, that's, a, um, that's a big, big, big order to fill. But let me tell you, it's the platform we're living in now, we're, we're living a third. So we can all agree upon mobile, big data, social, but now the fourth platform takes us to literally what's called materialized. And what materialized is, is a term called hyperconnected, connected living and all around the function that we have, it enhances the way we live through data driven functions. So the app world tethered to the mobile world, tethered to e-commerce systems and e-government systems, just like what you mentioned in Estonia. So the fourth platform is peeking its head around the corner and we're just about to snatch it here. And I'd say in the next two and a half years, so by 2020, we're already going to be there. Absolutely. So you mentioned something interesting. It's it's connecting all these diverse systems out there. So so it's it's the IoT trend, if, if you will. Is that what you're kind of alluding to with the fourth platform? Well, yeah, the IoT trend is really the new IT platform. We have roughly about 22 billion connected devices now, as you and I are speaking. And in the next two and a half years, by 2020, the projection is over 50 billion. So if you look at what happened with 
Dyn DNS and the denial service attack with that little piece of malware that was custom just for IoT. You had surveillance cameras, printers, refrigerators, potentially, all the little smart home, the gadgets that you can buy at Lowe's and Home Depot that have an IP connected network or interface. That was used to take down a literally the traffic cop of the internet for a brief period of time. So it's not a trend anymore, it's reality. And we need to really think about security as we are going to move into that fat fourth platform and living in that connected world. God, so you, you alluded to it a little bit, you know, what, what should cybersecurity practitioners think about as we enter this new era in terms of the fourth platform? You know, what, did, what does this fourth platform really mean to security operations professionals? It means that we can no longer think of security in isolation. That being IT is one, infrastructure is one, and then security is another, and then one's bolt-on or an afterthought, we just kind of have to catch up. So for example, a cloud adoption, hybrid cloud adoption, moving into mobile workforces so that our data is no longer stored on local devices as just a way to present the data and a way to interact with the data. That is clearly a design consideration that security should be part of that migration, part of that transformation of IT and no longer just, hey, I'm security and I wanna monitor everything and then I'll tell you when there's a problem and then you have to go fix it. That's the old paradigm, the old on-prem, old on-prem database, data center mindset. And now that's hardware defined. Now we're fully software defined, fully mobilized. Absolutely. So so that, that brings up some really interesting points and I'm sure we'll dive into it later. You know, as everything continues to become software defined, the IT telemetry data that's streaming off of everything is is just so massive and the, the scale is, um, you know, going to be uh, groundbreaking for a lot of security operations centers. So. I think a lot of people are probably wondering, you know, why the fourth platform now? Like, what what is what is the uh, driving force that is that is making the fourth pa- platform a reality for a lot of folks? It's driving serious ca- capacity or scalability and economic savings over time for IT systems. So what that translates to is efficiencies in economies, greater profitability, greater revenue generation, and also the enhanced way that we live. So for example, the old use of passwords and usernames, that's so, I always say, that's so 1990, um, because it is, we're still hanging on to that with dear life. But what happens is when we move into that fourth platform, we're going to be using things like biometrics that's going to travel with us where we go into our data assets. If I walk into a a retail shop and I have RFID or I have my near field communication function turned on on my phone or whatever my wearable is, it's going to know what my preferences are. It's going to present to me any discounts. And it's also going to be able to authenticate who I am when I'm up there paying for it. It may not be I walk anywhere to pay for anything. Maybe just I just kind of walk through and choose what I want and I go pick it up all boxed up or it might even be waiting at my home when I get back, getting out of my smart car, if you will. So if you look at what happened with Tesla just recently in the last week and a half or two weeks when the uh, Model X or the Model 3 event release happened, Keen, the Keen Research Group, which is part of an investor group of Tesla, found a bug, a bug that you can remotely control the smart car which is already in Tesla. Tesla is the one of probably the premier elite smart cars out there that we're able to control through the radio browser, doors opening up and lights flashing and everything else, doors unlocking and locking. And that was 
people were sending into some kind of panic. And, and when I had, when I heard that news and I came on to comment about it, I said, look, we're translating from brick and mortar to click and mortar. If that makes sense. It's kind of a cute little saying, but click and mortar is meaning, wow. Okay. That could be just like when Daimler Chrysler sends me a notice in the mail says there's a little washer in your engine that needs to be replaced that could possibly make your brakes fail. Right. But this time, because Tesla software defined, it says, oh, by the way, you have a bug and we need to patch it because it could allow for remote execution of your browser and your doors. So it isn't the sky was falling. It's a reality of that fourth platform. Wow. No, that the the fourth platform in this new computing platform that you just described is, is mind blowing. And, you know, I think we've we've seen just those those shimmering you know examples like Tesla, the one you gave. You know, Amazon has that store where you walk in, you you pull what you want off the shelves, and you walk straight out without, you know, doing anything with a, a bag check or a checkout uh, man or woman. So that's, you know, exciting, exciting times, and it's a massive opportunity, like you said, in terms of revenue growth for these organizations, and in terms of, you know, moving. Uh, citizenship forward and making it easier as a society to to do commerce, uh, to to do business uh, with one another. So it's extremely exciting. Uh, but like you mentioned, it's a massive risk on the, the other side of that coin. So uh, being able to uh, effectively manage that cybersecurity uh, risk is going to be uh, extremely important. Um, so, so any other uh, insights for our folks in terms of you know the cybersecurity around this fourth platform? And I know I know you mentioned like zero day flaws um, within the software is is definitely something that folks need to to, to watch out for. Um, any other advice you'd have for folks that are experiencing this shift within their own industry within their own organization? You know they are pushing the cutting edge of IoT. Um, what what would you what advice would you give those folks? I would say don't be shy to embrace the fourth platform in IoT because we don't want to walk around so scared about security that we're technology Luddites, so to speak, where we're going to go back to phone books and pay phones, or at least try to, at least, if you can find one. And I would say in that fourth platform, wrap your arms around it. Don't be afraid of it. But at the same time, be aware of your the functions that are being driven through your environment, for example, your home, the new home of the future, the new construction that's happening, it's going to be pre-wired for that fourth platform. You're going to have your big box stores being able to eventually saying you don't have an option but to buy a smart thermostat that talks to your uh, fire, fire and smoke detector and things like that. So, so it's don't be afraid of it, but be very hyper vigilant of it and be aware that cryptocurrencies, blockchain, Bitcoin, they're here now in that fourth platform. It's going to be that new currency that's driving markets. So you can see that investment firms are sprouting up that are, that are making investments in Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. There are cryptocurrency ATMs yeah. around this country. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, go, go on Google, look up Bitcoin ATM and literally it lights up. It, it lights up the, the U.S. and says, oh, here's one you can take your take your app. You can scan it, and there's the app, the in-app economy world that we're looking at. Over 175 billion apps downloaded in 2016, the fall of 2016 alone, and it's increasing. The overall in-app growth economy is to reach 102 billion by 2020. So it's the new reality, and it's the dependencies that we're going to have to get used to very quickly. 
Absolutely. No, that's that you brought up a really interesting point. I think the the first interaction of this fourth platform will will most likely be driven through an application. Um, so so you mentioned you know apps or you alluded to apps. What role will, will apps play in the you know uh, the development of this fourth platform? Um, and then also uh, you know what risks will be associated with applications for for cybersecurity practitioners who are trying to protect their their you know computing platforms and their data um, as they expose that to more and more applications for their customers and business professionals. The wonderful thing about the app world is the form factor. The fact that agile software development and other methodologies can quickly turn out apps, highly functioning apps that are very small in the form factor and and you can interact with them. There's high, there's enriched interaction and enriched functionality, but at the same time, user beware. And here's the beware and be careful part is every time you download an app, and the first thing, and TJ, when I when I say this, I say this like tongue in cheek, but what's the first thing that comes to you when you look at, when you go into an app store? It's a search bar, you know, you have to log in, right? Yeah, that I look at that and I look at free, oh. like free. <laughs> well, at least my kids will say, hey, can I have this app? And I say, is it free? <laughs> but, but, but when you look at all the apps that are just out there, you have to remember there are rogue apps. There are malicious apps. And the screening process that we have that is out there isn't that good. And I'll be very, very direct. Um, you can certify some apps, but for the most part, with all of the millions and billions of apps and app writers out there, we have to very be careful that you pay attention to how the apps are interacting with one another and the permissions that you give your app to access the local data on your mobile device or the data in the cloud, because it could say, hey, do you allow or do you block? I don't know how many times you see it, TJ, but I see it a lot where it says allow or block. Yep. And I just I just want to get to where I need to get to. So I hit allow, right? Even me as a security guy, I'm like, ah, sounds good, allow. And then <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, <laughs> but hey, this is the reality for users to say, wow, okay, maybe I should take a closer look, look that Twitter does have widgets or other apps have widgets that literally will interact with a number of other applications and you don't know where the malicious actor or malicious code is going to hook into those apps and be able to exploit you over time. Yeah, no, that's you. You just uh, struck a chord with me. Every, you know, myself included, uh, humans are naturally impatient, right? Uh, so I think, you know, as we continue to become digital, uh, you want it to be a seamless experience between, you know, where you are today and where you want to go. Uh, if that app's in the way or if that, you know, terms of services is in the way, you usually just click accept or you click yes or you click, yep, please download all my sensitive information immediately or connect them to my contact books. So so definitely live um, and breathe that life. So that's a, that's a really good analogy. So, um, you know, we mentioned applications uh, from from an end user perspective. What, what do you think about business applications? Um, you know, as everybody continues to, you know, bring your own device to work, um, as more and more business applications continue to live in the cloud, um, what advice would you give to that, you know, CISO uh, running a, a really large organization with countless, you know, SaaS applications uh, running all over the world? I think for the, for the next generation of CISO, it's... Um it's not as daunting as you would think because if you eliminate the layers of the BYOD and just the, just the diversity that we're naturally seeing now, 
you want to pay attention to the behavior of your environment in the cloud, on-prem, in your mobile world. And I, I break this down to a couple of things. Your endpoints, pay attention to, is there anomalous behaviors rather than looking at triggers or flags or, or tripwires and things like that. Then there's the overall network, whether it's hybrid over cloud and on-prem or the shared compute services like that. And then you look at what's called a, the zone, the function zone. So for example, in a smart city, you have healthcare zones and you have um, your overall public safety zone and you have transportation, et cetera, et cetera, power grids and whatnot. Those are zones. And then you look at, those are called I zones. I call them internet zones or interconnected zones. And then you look at the enclaves itself. So the enclave is the actual function within the I zone itself to then the CISO then looks at it in that way to say, okay, I'm okay with the diversity of, of my hardware and mobile environment and the user population. I want to look at, are my zones functioning appropriately? Are the enclaves within those zones functioning appropriately? Are my endpoints exhibiting nefarious type of behavior? Then I'm going to look closer. If we don't break it down like that, especially in the IoT world, it's literally going to be the wild, wild west for the next cyber criminal to be able to wreak havoc and to walk around with their six guns just blazing all over the place. It's gonna be it's gonna be circa 1990 again when the Pentagon first got hit, and then we were like, "What are we gonna do about this?" We keep getting hit by nation states left and right. Yeah, no, it's a it's a scary uh, potential times if people you know like yourself aren't aren't telling people how to uh, to make this shift as they continue to connect every aspect of their organization and continue to d uh, download countless softwares uh, to to you know software defined networks, software defined storage. Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this grows up and how people take care of it. And another thing, though, I, I just wanted to add, TJ, to, to that point is the fourth platform is going to add artificial intelligence, machine learning, virtual reality. Those are those are no longer that kind of dream state. We're like, oh, my gosh, robotics and artificial intelligence. What what really is that? I mean, it's, it's really predicated upon feeding, letting the machine feeding it with certain instruction sets and a certain algorithms to let it learn and to create and to, to automate and to create certain knowledge bases that it can make assumptions on and keep learning from that. It's not, it's something that we're going to see that businesses take more advantage of from a business intelligence, from an efficiencies um, analytics perspective and security is going to is right now we're looking at machine learning to detect quicker those behaviors like we were talking about in zones and enclaves and endpoints and networks that are going to say, it looks kind of dicey to me. I'm not willing to wait till I get an infection. That's that's really where the fourth platform is going to take us. Yeah. And in this this fourth platform is absolutely necessary in order to, uh, you know, unlock all this value that you just described. You need to have a uh, compute platform that can store, process and analyze and, and you know, build out all the potential value in terms of deploying these machine learning algorithms at the edge of your network, right? Being, being able to execute this AI on larger scale of information to detect the outliers. So it, it definitely is the the promise I think a lot of people have been waiting for in terms of, you know, AI and ML, and, and it's becoming a reality. We're, we're seeing more and more, you know, cutting edge companies and cutting edge 
um, you know, use cases emerge. Uh, and as it becomes more pervasive, I think a lot of people will slowly realize that we are, in fact, entering this new era where the fourth platform is going to uh, replace the, the social and the mobile world that we operated in. So, uh, Peter, you gave us a, a lot of good and great advice. Um, you know, we always finish up with one tip for our audience. So if you had to, you know, either summarize what you just said or if you have something new, what would be that one tip uh, for our audience that you'd uh, give them? This is going to be the keep it real tip, TJ. And I'm going to keep it real for the end user right now. It's next time, and this is building muscle memory for security. When you go into your iPhone or your Android device, Take a look at all the apps, just render them in the menu. And then take a look at every app that you can actually enable two-factor authentication, meaning it's gonna require more than one authentication modality. You might say, look, I'm gonna send you a, a code to your mobile device or to an email address so that the next time you go in there, you've tightened up a bit. So what I'm saying is enumerate the apps that you don't use very often and get rid of those. The ones that you use a lot, look at how they interact with other, other apps. And if they're not areas that you're comfortable with, you might want to opt out of those. And third, take that two-factor authentication option. It's the best kept secret in the security world for apps and mobile devices. And you'd be surprised how many people do not do that because they think it's such a hassle, but it's so easy uh, to do. And it literally will de-risk your hacker profile your your hacker attractiveness profile down by you know up to 25 30 percent just right off the bat by doing that so those are easy low-hanging fruit keep it real these are users you know do a little bit of hygiene spring cleaning if you will and you're going to have a better user experience you're going to feel a lot better about using those apps and when you get into the fourth platform you're just going to be that much uh, more prepared for it that's fantastic advice. Um, as iPhones get larger, we delete fewer things. So, you know, make sure you uh, uh, sweep up your iPhone and clean it up and secure it. So that's, or any phone, I should say. But that's uh, fantastic advice. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. It was a real pleasure speaking with you today. My pleasure. You're welcome. And thanks to our audience for listening. If you are in the New York City area and want to meet Cloudera at the Strata Data Conference from September 26th to the 28th to talk about cybersecurity trends, we would love to have you. We'd also like to keep in touch on Twitter, so please follow Peter at ptranscyber and Cloudera2 at Cloudera. And that's all, folks. My name is TJ Lair, and I look forward to hosting you next time on Cybersecurity On Call. <laughs>